This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast, joined by Kendall Cout, and this is Ring by Spring. Looking more probable every day after Baylor's two-game road sweep of Texas Tech and Oklahoma. Pretty gritty win in Norman yesterday. I was there in person. Uh, Kendall Cout, I know you're coming down for the uh, big Monday showdown against Kansas. Uh, what did you like yesterday? I mean, you were probably watching from television and – uh, you, you got to see most of the Big 12 games. I was pro- I was probably in transit with uh, True Green, Mall Bear, and 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 another guy. Um, you know, to, to the Oklahoma game when most of those games were going on. But what did you see? What did you like? Really liked the game. Actually, I was most impressed that a day where I think LJ went two of eleven from the field. Keontae had a poor shooting day as well. Baylor still was able to win. The recipe for Baylor before this game seemed to be unless two of Baylor's three starting guards get going. You don't really like the odds for Baylor to win games against top 40 quality teams. So that stuck out to me, just the ability to win when your best players were not at their best. It's something that's essential during the NCAA tournament. And I think we can now officially say the Bears are going to the NCAA tournament. All the people that blew me up and say, why are we even talking about NCAA tournament path and they haven't won a, a Big 12 game? Uh, credit to John Galt because he had the post on that thread. It was just like, you know, when Baylor wins the next three games like they will, they'll be heading into Big Monday. At four and three, and it'll be a huge game. So shout out to him for that one. Uh, but I was really impressed by that, Ashley. Being at the Lloyd Noble Center, what stuck out to you? Yeah, well, you know, I heard some terms uh, in the tunnel. I was waiting for Jalen Bridges to well, – he played phenomenal, by the way uh, – to get done with radio to so that uh, we could interview him for a quick, you know, reaction after the game. And I heard some words that I haven't heard in a while. Um, I had to look the dictionary term up to make sure that these OU fans were using the words properly. I heard like the word distraught. I heard um, tragic. I heard <laughs> gut wrenching. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, disappointing. I, I've heard that term quite a bit lately. But um, I think you know the the OU fans were using those terms properly after I looked up the definition, and it really was a very gut wrenching loss for them. Um, you know. I haven't been on the OU message boards, but I'm sure there's a lot of talk about the free throw disparity. You know, the Bears uh, get 17 free throws and only four for OU. Uh, that was pretty noticeable, especially on their home court. But um, I thought the officiating was was fair. I mean, there were some calls that, you know, the, the uh, Jay, I know Jay Williams was talking about the high elbow to Thamba in the throat and how even though, yeah, he was invading the cylinder – you can't like you know lead with the elbow that high, and he thought that should have been a flagrant one. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, James Perry, who I was with and who did a great job filming the short interview with Jalen Bridges after the game, uh, he's a bit his his brother-in-law uh, is a I have to think about this. We have brother-in-law is a big Duke fan, and so Jay Will was was coming up the tunnel. And, you know, as Baylor fans, we oftentimes see wins like this and we're, like, focusing on the negatives. You know, of course, we all are praising Jalen Bridges for his clutch shooting and the, and the incredible three by Adam Flagler. You know, holding OU to only 60 points on their home court stands out. The way we dominated the glass also stands out. Uh, but, you know, we're like, man, our, our offense was stagnant and we were not, you know, the assist to turnover ratio was almost two to one turnover to, to assist. There are some things to really, you know, pick apart, rightfully so. You know, but Jay Will was like, what a win, man. What a great win. Those are the, those that's a gritty win against a good team. Like, you know, people that are like outside of the Baylor circle see things differently because they know how hard it is to win on the road against a top 40 caliber opponent who really had to win that game. 
I mean, they, you know, Texas Tech and Oklahoma played desperate against us, and yet the Bears were able to, you know, get get out with wins on both of those uh, road venues. So, I mean, just a tremendous week for Baylor basketball, and just really sets up for an exciting week with uh, Kansas coming to town, and then uh, our Kansas uh, coming to town on Saturday. It does actually, and we want to talk about the Kansas game now. <laughs> sure, let's do it. Uh, KU game. They're clearly, if people did not see the game on Saturday, because if you were traveling, caring about the NFL, just assume no way KU would lose a home game. Uh, they got absolutely blitzed by TCU, and I had the opportunity to watch most of that game. And KU is not defending at an elite level right now, and DeWan Harris is not shooting at a great level right now. So we'll see if KU can continue that into Monday, if Baylor can keep playing at this elite level. I'll have an article of a preview out probably tomorrow, maybe late today. Jack and Grayson will handle when they want to put it out. But one thing, for looking at that article, this is the fifth worst loss KU's ever suffered at Allen Fieldhouse in the TCU game on Saturday. And in Bill Self's tenure at Kansas, which now, like Scott Drews, is into his 20th year in Lawrence. He has only lost three games in a row on two occasions, back in 2005 uh, and back in uh, 2021 during the COVID year. So for KU to lose three in a row would be pretty unprecedented. To follow up getting blown out like that would be pretty unprecedented. But Baylor's playing at an elite level right now. And one thing that's going to be cool on Monday and what we, I think, are going to see is Baylor is the best team in the Big 12 at getting to the free throw line. And that's not that the refs woke up one day and decided they like highlighter green or that Keontae George, you know, has, has a way with words with them. It's that Baylor's guards are good at getting into the, the paint. And Keontae George is an unbelievable man at getting to the free throw line. And so for all the travails Baylor might have felt about that 2017 game in Waco, I think if this is a close game, Baylor's going to be having the edge in the free throw disparity. So, you know, people can play this clip back at me if KU ends up shooting 20 more free throws than Baylor. <laughs> but I do think – I think this is a game where Baylor's going to have more free throws than Kansas. Well, I hope that's true. And and I, to your point, that's been an emphasis for Baylor this year. And, of course, they have one of the premier shot makers in college basketball in Keontae George. And, and Keontae really didn't put – uh, you know, some, some good tape, you know, out there on, on Saturday, you know, he was clearly off and, you know, for someone that was sitting behind the bench, you could see it was just a struggle bus for him really from warmups on. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. You know, I, I, I don't, I was told he wasn't sick. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I want to give props to Langston love. I, I really thought Langston did a terrific job of just encouraging him on the bench and every time out, you know, in his ear, just like, you know, filling him full of encouragement. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, he really gutted through that and played better in the second half, but, you know, turnovers were, were, you know, certainly some sloppy ones from him. The defense wasn't as good as he's been playing, you know, and then he just, you know, struggled from, from a shooting perspective, but, uh, hopefully has a big bounce back game because they're going to need a good performance from him. You know, the one thing that stood out to me, Kendall was as I watched the Kansas TCU game on a, on an iPhone, uh, as we were driving up to Norman, was TCU just seemed dominant in the paint. Like, Kansas really uh, is undersized. You know, they they have big wings, but they are undersized down low. And, you know, my impression watching the game uh, was that, you know, TCU just, you know, took advantage of, you know, having uh, you know guys that could score in the paint. And uh, I'm looking at the stats right now. They were – you know, I, I mean, I guess fifty-five uh, percent from from two-point shots. A lot of those at the rim. Uh, they did shoot the three well. They Shahada Wells. Uh, you know, that may be an answer for them because he, he's a pretty good three-point shooter. He hadn't played much, but he he got a lot of run against Kansas and played really well. Seventeen points, three for four from three. 
Uh, but uh, interesting team. You know, TCU's got some flaws. You know, they're they're not the best shooting team in the world, but they they shot it well at Allen Fieldhouse, eight for fifteen from three. Yeah, the, you know, if, if they shoot that well from three, then they're going to be a problem. They will be. And as you mentioned, with KU being undersized. Two components there. Number one is that K.J. Adams is really the only big man that builds self-trust. But he's – and the Mark Vidal, what do you list him at? He probably is only 6'6". Six, six. And right. so Baylor obviously doesn't have an Eddie Lampkin that you just throw the ball down so he can get a bucket. But I do think in those Josh O minutes, yeah, Baylor could consider posting up Josh O a few times, maybe get K.J. Adams into foul trouble. I expect KU will trap the pick and roll or hard hedge it to at least a very intense degree or put two men on the ball. Sometimes the distinctions between those three aren't huge, but it'll look a lot like how Iowa State defended Baylor, where it's put two guys on the guard who runs the screen up the middle. You don't want to have K.J. Adams dealing with a rolling flow Thamba, who's done a lot better job recently on rolls to the hoop. Great job on two plays yesterday. And then Adam Flagler, how about both those passes? The one in the early going in the game where he just kind of flipped it and turned his head was one of the coolest passes I've seen from a Baylor guard. And then later on in the first half, he got in the lane and kind of underhand pitched it to flow. Yeah. So I think KU is going to say we can't let that happen with how we're undersized. Even as good of a defender as DeJuan Harris is, maybe the best defensive guard in the league. I think Baylor has a chance to dump it to Josh O in that situation. And the second one is that KU does not trust its bench at all. Uh, Bill Self's had years in the past, where whether it's Cliff Alexander or some of his other five-star freshmen, he just doesn't like to play them. Uh, Chuck Diallo. MJ Rice, the five-star kid who doesn't play really at all. Zach Clemens hasn't played much this season. Joe Yesifu played pretty well down the stretch for the championship team last year. He doesn't play much. So if you get some of these players in foul trouble, Bill Self really doesn't like playing anybody besides Kevin McCuller, Brady Dick, Jalen Wilson, KJ Adams, and Dewan Harris. Once you get away from those guys and a little bit with Bobby Pettiford, this team does not go to its bench much. When I talked to some of the Baylor folks, they said, you know, part of the reason we don't play our guys 30-plus minutes a night all the time is you got to develop guys like Langston Love and Josh O because there will be a time this season they'll be dependent on. And that game for KU both in overtime at K-State where a lot of their fans were like, oh, if you know we hadn't had foul trouble, we would have won. Or against TCU, it's like, oh, well, if our bench could give us more. When you don't play your bench, you can't then say, well, why isn't our bench better? So if Baylor gets into a longer game, a grinded-out game, KU starters have played a lot of minutes down the stretch and going from that tough game on Saturday in Allen Fieldhouse where you were probably exhausted running up and down the floor with TCU. Like I think Baylor was still a bit exhausted after that game. To then going back and having to play Baylor on just two days' rest, that's a tough challenge for Kansas. Yeah, I agree. I, hopefully hopefully that is a, a you know, significant advantage for, for Baylor and, and they protect home court. You know, if, if you peel behind the layer a little bit with uh, Kansas's resume, I mean, they, they have some great wins, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, just slaughtering – Indiana and Missouri, you know, stand out uh, as as really good wins. But once they started league play, you know, they 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 hammered West Virginia on the road. But West Virginia was without Kedrian Johnson, one of their better players in that game. And then every other game in the Big Twelve has been a dogfight. And uh, they lost the last two. And you know, the TCU game wasn't close. They got they got blown out against TCU, obviously. But you know, I, I it is it is one of the th- those things that if you just look at you know who they are, the resume, uh, hopefully there's not that you know mystique about the Kansas on the jersey because what they're putting on paper in Big Twelve play is probably not as impressive as as the outside you know public thinks it it is. I mean they're you know they're five and two right now and and really could be three and four uh, just based on on those games that you know the coin flips, the Guardian Angels that bailed them out of a couple of those close ones. 
So, you know, hopefully Baylor will, will be able to get some separation. you got to protect your home court. They've already taken two losses. Uh, Baylor was outstanding on the road last year. They were 7-2, and two, uh, but they did drop the two home games. And, you know, it's just really key. You, you can't lose three games at home. Baylor has to, you know, protect the home court the rest of the way. They are going to take road losses, most likely, you know, uh, to some teams in the Big 12. And, you know, it's, it's great that they're 3-1 and one on the road, but we can't, we can't rely on being like 7-2 and two again like we were last year. I mean, that's, that's not, you know, a recipe for, uh, you know, a formula for, for you know, what, what you, what you think is going to happen, at least from a common sense standpoint. Uh, so hopefully the Bears, you know, get their, get their you know, their best game and, and really have a quick turnaround and, and are able to put forth a great effort and, and get that win because they, they really need that if they want to have a shot at, at uh, being there at the end of the season. And, and as Hambone, you know, pointed out um, on a great post, I mean, this, this conference is so wide open. I think Ken Palm has the winner at 11-7 and seven right now and Baylor's projected to be 10-8. and eight. So it's anybody's race, and I do think – um, as I've said before, I think maybe even on the last podcast we did together, that I still think Baylor, TCU, and Kansas are the best teams. And, and those are the three that I think are going to be there at the end of the year. Uh, certainly no disrespect to Iowa State or Kansas State, but um, I think that those two, those three teams are probably going to be you know one, two, and three in some order uh, by the end of the season. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there, Actually, I want to talk one more thing about Baylor-KU from that good point you brought up about KU's played so many close games. As a result of that, I looked at Torvik's rankings for Big 12 play. So you start December 31st, which was the first league game, until today. Baylor is actually 13th on Torvik, despite that horrible performance in Ames hmm. and losing two nail-biters to K-State and TCU. And uh, two other cool things that stick out about that. Baylor's offense during Big 12 play is number one in the country uh, by three full points over wow. the next closest team. So absolute dominance on that end. And KU ranks just 31st nationally during Big 12 play, and how well they've been in these last seven games. And they're 87th on defense, which shows that KU's not been guarding to the level you'd expect from a Bill Self team. Now you can say, obviously, their performance against Missouri still matters, what they did against Indiana, their great non-conference performance, minus that game against Tennessee in the battle for Atlantis. Those still matter, and we don't just say seven games make up the season. But that tells you what Baylor can do. And then when we look at the conference race, I completely agree. This is the game you need to win because you found yourself with two home losses and KU is still going to be down the stretch. One of those teams contending. When you mentioned that 11 and seven Ken Palm mark, it makes me kind of think about the end of the Southwest conference when like every team was tying for the league. And it would kind of be the most Texas thing imaginable to have a six way tie for the big 12 <laughs> title. And then Texas can claim, Oh, on the way out, we won the big 12. That's how great <laughs> we are. And I'm like, yeah, no, sure. Texas, is, no, no one's better than you. And then they'll get blown out in round of 32, but That'd be the ultimate Texas ending. Win the Big 12, get blown out in the round of 32. And then there's the pressure on Chris Del Conte about who do you hire for your head coach? Do you stick with Rodney Terry? Do you go a different direction? I don't know what he'll ultimately do because I don't concern myself with who Texas hires or who TCU chooses to make its offensive coordinator. <laughs> right. And and, and I, I left Texas off the list of contenders, and I really should not have. I, I do think uh, as much as I don't appreciate that team or that program uh, that they are definitely a big 12 contender. And, and, you know, the way I, I did watch the game against uh, West Virginia and, um, or at least, you know, had that on, on the iPhone as, as we were driving back after the Oklahoma game. And uh, I thought the way they finished that game was tremendous. I mean, they, they made really tough shots. They were very physical, you know, that, it was like a very close game, like tied, I think with like four or five minutes left. And then, and then they pulled away at the end. Uh, so, so I, I do think they're a team that, you know, deserves respect, but, um, 
I just keep thinking something's going to implode there because Marcus Carr is their point guard, and you know he's he's already taken two coaches to the unemployment line at Pittsburgh and Minnesota, and I just don't fully trust him over a season. Uh, now he's putting he's putting together a terrific season, and and you know they they have weapons. I mean they're they're a capable team, but I just think that that the instability of that situation with Beard being fired and. Uh, going through the conference on the back half, I just I just kind of expect them to implode a little bit and not finish at one, two, or three. I would trust uh, Self uh, Dixon or, or um, Scott Drew over over you know Texas as far as that's concerned. But you know certainly on paper they're one of the you know top four most talented teams in the Big Twelve. Agreed. In K State, KU problem where they really play their guys the most. I think Marquise Noel still leads the Big Twelve in minutes played. Asked him to do a ton. Keontae Johnson, I think, is top 10 in Big 12 in minutes played. Also asked to do a ton for the Wildcats. And I don't know how sustainable the kind of shooting performances they've had in Waco in Manhattan down the stretch will be throughout the course of the season. But Jerome Tang is clearly smashed past all expectations. Yeah, so unbelievable. They're on that front. And then if Iowa State's offense can play at the level they need to down the stretch as well, I kind of wonder about them too. So that's why I don't think those two teams are quite as good. As the other three or four, if you want to include Texas, you've given good reasons to doubt whether they can do this down the stretch as well, especially with their three-point shooting on top of their already issues with what's happened off the court in Austin, obviously a more severe instance than anything that happens on the court with what was going on with Chris Beard. So I do think as well that those three teams have emerged for themselves and the, the TCU bloom deflated a little bit too soon based on some injuries they had early on and taking a quad four loss. And we probably should have deflated the Texas Tech balloon a lot sooner when they had their own quad four issues. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's, and to Kansas state's credit, maybe I'm just discounting them too much. Cause I just think it's, it's fool's gold to some degree, you know what they're doing. And, and the fact that they, you know, they have three, you know, what I consider three outstanding players and, and Noel and Johnson and Desi seals and, 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 and Tom, and good too. I mean, but, but I just, yeah, their depth. I just don't think they have the quality depth that you need to to, to win this league. Uh, but hey, they got some great road wins. Obviously, at Texas and at Baylor is terrific. Uh, and they beat Kansas already at home. You know, survived that one. They go on the road to Iowa State Tuesday, so you know that'll be a big one for them. If 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 they somehow still win at Iowa State, I'm going to have to uh, backtrack and and really you know give them stronger consideration to to win this league. But um, I still think it's going to revert you know, a little bit, and they're going to have a tougher time, uh, you know, finishing near the top. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Jerome Tang's done a tremendous job and deserves every bit of, you know, mentions of being the national coach of the year, I mean, for the job he's done there. Absolutely. Really can't say anything negative about how K-State's played up to now. Great job by Tang. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about Arkansas. Have you watched them much this year? Or, I mean, have you have you seen them play at all? Or are you just kind of like most, you know, Big 12 fans just dialed in on the Big 12 and, and uh, you know, seeing them play against us will be one of your first exposures to them? Yeah, I've seen them play very little. Uh, I remember Ricky Council back in his Wichita State days. and <laughs> Another Wichita uh, State player. <laughs> yep, another one killing it. Every podcast I have to mention a great Wichita State player. <laughs> And then uh, Nick Smith, I know, has not been playing. And uh, Anthony Black was somebody we obviously were considering and recruiting for a long time. Uh, and I say we, I mean Baylor from that perspective. Uh, I try to avoid using we when I talk about Baylor. But right. um, I think I have not watched a lot of Arkansas. I watched them a little bit in the uh, non-con, but I have not watched a conference game from Arkansas. So I'll definitely have to be doing some watching after Monday. What's kind of your impression of the Hogs, actually? 
very athletic, can't shoot the three at all. Like I, yeah, I'm just looking up their um, Ken Palm stats. They're 321 and three point percentage. Uh, they will be pretty sloppy with turnovers. You know, they can turn it over quite a bit. They foul you a lot, send you to the foul line. Uh, so I think it's a game that Baylor should win by double digits. I really do. Uh, just based on their injuries and, you know, obviously Ken Palm has them rated number 21. Now, the thing I, I will say concerns me a little bit, and I, I think we saw this against OU, and this could be an issue against Kansas, is they have length on the wings, and, you know, they're going to put bigger defenders on our guards. Uh, and, you know, we have struggled a little bit. You know, we struggled against OU getting easy looks. And, and uh, you know, I think Keontae missed some open ones, but, uh, you know, LJ just really couldn't get free from three and, and – uh, Jalen Hill did a tremendous job on Flagler. I, I thought his defense was phenomenal uh, for OU. But, you know, I think Arkansas and Kansas can both throw those long defenders at us, and, and it could be a game where we don't look as good offensively. So, you know, we need our defense to step up. We need our offensive rebounding, which is which is terrific uh, to, to be on point as well. Um, you know, so I, so I think it's it's got potential for a game that we might, you know, struggle some from the offensive end just because of, the length of their guards, but uh, I just think if we, you know, come focused, you know, being at home and, and uh, you know, I think we should win both of these games this week, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta go do it. And uh, it would be awesome if Baylor could be riding a, what would it be a six game winning streak heading into Austin for another big Monday next Monday. Uh, so we want to, don't, don't want to get too hard ahead of ourselves, but uh, I certainly think that uh, you got to protect your home court. And, you know, I know Scott always takes this uh, big 12 sec challenge you know really serious like 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 every coach does but we've had a lot of success the most success of any big 12 team in the sec challenge so hopefully that continues again with with a big um home win against uh, arkansas on saturday absolutely and if they can win both these games this week all that we thought about in the preseason starts becoming i think reality again in terms of you feel like baylor can finally win the big 12 title but you start thinking that houston becomes a possibility again for the final four these two games, I think, really tell you both how does Baylor do with success, and then once the grind of the Big 12 season and that SEC challenge arrives, are they prepared to meet the moment? Yeah, you know, I think that um, if if you told me before the season started, we're getting ahead of our skis a little bit, but if, if we do win the next two and we're 16-5, and five, if you would tell me that at this point in the season we're 16-5, and five, I'd take that all day long, you know, <laughs> given how tough our schedule is. I, I, I have one thing that's uh, kind of driving me a little bit crazy. You know, I think uh, Gonzaga has some good wins. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Baylor's fourteen and five. Gonzaga's seventeen and four. I think Gonzaga is going to be ranked ahead of Baylor in in the polls. But if you really kind of examine the resume there, you know, Gonzaga, you know, beat Michigan State. They beat Kentucky. They beat Xavier, and they beat Alabama. Great wins. But since then, you know, obviously they've been playing a lot of close games against the WCC, and then they dropped the home game to, to Loyola Marymount. Uh, you know, you compare it to Baylor's resume, who has wins now over UCLA, Gonzaga head-to-head, Washington State on a neutral court, who's, who has, you know, not, not they're not the best team in the world, but they're, they're solid. And now they've got road wins at West Virginia, at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma, and then a home win against Oklahoma State. I just feel like, um, you know, this is one of those things that, you know, pollsters will probably put Gonzaga ahead of Baylor, but I don't think they deserve to be, just for, just from a pure resume standpoint. 
I do hope that the, the voters will drop Gonzaga a bit. This is the worst Gonzaga team since that year they were an 11 seed, which is getting to be a while ago now. And the pollsters are not adequately considering how good Marquette is. Baylor right. still shouldn't have gotten absolutely embarrassed by them in Milwaukee. But it wasn't like Baylor lost to Texas Tech by that many points. I mean, they're number eight on Ken Palm right now. They haven't helped their overall NCAA tournament resume by losing a lot of close games. But the way they dominated Baylor, the way they dominated some Big East games, and they now have the number one offense to Baylor's number two on Ken Palm, that's a really good team to have lost to that at the time. I think Baylor took a hit, rightfully so, for both the margin and what people thought about Marquette. But good voters should readjust. All right, if we thought this team was great because they beat a team that turns out to not be so good, how do we adjust things? And so things like the Kentucky win for Gonzaga, I think, should lose some luster. And for Baylor, that Marquette loss should take some of its stain away for how effective the Golden Eagles have played. Yeah, and, and I just looked up the net, so it is kind of interesting. They do they do have Gonzaga at 12. So Gonzaga is 3-3 three and three in quad one uh, games. They're uh, – that loss to Loyola Marymount is a quad three loss. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So they're 13 and one in quad two and three. And by comparison, Baylor's five and five in quad one games. And they're nine and oh in quad two, three and four. Uh, with, with a lot of quad four games, seven and oh in quad four games. Marquette, by comparison, is four and three in quad one. They're, they're 15. Baylor's 14 in the net. And uh, they're four and two in quad two games and they're eight no in quad three and four uh so that i mean just a quick comparison of the resumes and just if if people are wondering where other big 12 teams are we kansas is eight texas is nine iowa state is 10 baylor's 14 16 for kansas state 17 for tcu and then you have to go down all the way to 30 for west virginia and and then the rest of the big 12 kind of files in after that so so that's kind of where we are from, a, um, you know, just from the quad rankings. But uh, certainly, you know, the, the, those six teams in the Big 12 uh, being top 17 is pretty impressive. Oh, absolutely. Great conference. And that's also when we discuss Baylor's mark at this point. What matters is how much better the Big 12 at the bottom is than I certainly thought with K-State being way better, Iowa State being way better, even Tech being a little bit worse. Mark Adams can genuinely say, look, we shouldn't be this bad record-wise, but this league is just so good that if you are the 50 or 60th best team in the country, it's going to be hard to win games in this conference. Yeah, that that West Virginia, Texas Tech game. It's it's in it's in Lubbock. Uh, that's it's Wednesday. That's going to be an interesting one. I think the loser of that game could could really see things spiral down like you know tech obviously has to win that game to, to i mean you know they they i don't think they have a chance at the ncaa but but just to even like keep you know fighting and and not just like you know start to start to quit i think i think they got to win that west virginia game and and i think the natives are getting restless on bob huggins uh had a great win against tcu this week but uh followed it up with a home loss against texas in a game that they really needed to win uh, so, you know, he can redeem himself a little bit if he goes to Lubbock and gets that win. But if they lose that game, then things could get pretty dicey for West Virginia the rest of the season as well. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting one to, you know, keep your eyes on. And, and, it is. And I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Ashley. Well, I, I was just going to say kudos, you know, as good, as good of a week as Baylor had, um, and, I, and I think Baylor had the better week of the, these two teams just because they won two road games. But 
uh, Oklahoma State, <laughs> I mean, you got to give them credit. I mean, they, they you know, beat Oklahoma handily by 16 points at home. Great second half for them. And then they squeak out one at home against Iowa State. Big win. And, uh, you know, for Mike Boyton uh, to get to three and four in conference after a one and four start is, is really a huge thing. And, and I'll just make this uh, final comment that you know, we talked about this, I think, on the last podcast. But we started – Baylor started 0-3 in conference play, and now they've won uh, four straight. You know, three-game losing streaks in conference are going to be – a lot of teams are going to have them. And let's hope Kansas is the latest one to have that because uh, Baylor really has a shot to give them a three-game losing streak. But, you know, Baylor lost three in a row. Oklahoma State lost three in a row. You know, I think you could probably go up and down this league and find a lot of three-game losing streaks by the end of the season. And, uh, you know, the key is, like, really keeping those from becoming four four-game losing streaks or five-game losing streaks. Absolutely key. I hope Mike Boyton, if the Cowboys miss the tournament, does not get fired. Felt a bad hand with not being able to make the tournament last year. Had a good season with Cade Cunningham. I think he's a really good coach and a smart guy who can adjust to how college basketball will change. I wonder with Bob Huggins if there could be a Mike Bray situation potentially, and I don't have West Virginia insider knowledge, but hasn't gone well the last several seasons. He's an alum, so that makes you wonder, well, is this somebody who will stay until the last second and not want to leave, or will this be somebody that will get together with the AD and say, you know what, it might be time for somebody else to turn it around. I don't know. I don't really know Bob Huggins at all. I've talked to him a few times at Big 12 Media Days, um, and after the Big 12 uh, tournament game last year, I asked him a question, but I don't know him well, but I don't know. I just there's a case to be made that he should just step down and not have to get fired. But there's another case that would just be he could think I took us to a Final Four. I've been here all these years. I shouldn't have to step down, and I'll get it turned around again. I don't know. I hope it doesn't end ugly for Bob Huggins at West Virginia, though, because he doesn't deserve an ugly ending. But that's the trouble with coaching. Oftentimes, it ends ugly. Yeah, our, our radio crew interviewed Ren Baker, the new AD for West Virginia, this past week, and I listened to that interview, and I came away with the impression that. Uh, they're not going to fire Huggins, but you know, it's, I don't know what he's going to say mid season. You know, they've already, you know, made a staff change. I don't know the, the reasons behind that. And immediately after that, they do get a win against a good TCU team, but then they followed up with a loss against Texas. Uh, you know, I do think if, if they end up going like four and 14 or, or five and 13 and league play, uh, the pressure might just be too much, you know, and, and there may be, some hard decisions that have to be made. I know they want Joe Missoula and he's doing a tremendous job with the Celtics right now. So he may end up being the permanent coach at the Celtics. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, that's the guy they want, you know, the native son. And, and if they can have a smooth transition from Huggins to Missoula and have Huggins step down, I think that's what the, the ideal scenario for them is. But uh, I think the fans are getting a little restless and, and certainly another year where, West Virginia doesn't make the tournament and they, they finish at the bottom of the league is, is going to be, you know, there's going to be some mounting pressure, not to, not to use too much of a pun with the Mountaineers. Sure. And I think he'll be the next Celtics coach. And if he's not, he'll get a different NBA job. So right. that's a, that's a dream uh, on par with uh dab out of Baylor. I would say. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so uh, interesting times in the Big 12. Big week ahead. I'm excited that you're coming down to Waco for this Kansas game. I hope it's a uh, great performance by the Bears and a victory. It's you know the, the Bears have won two in a row against Kansas in Waco, and they're three and three, I believe, in the last three years. So it's been a very even series. Obviously, very lopsided towards Kansas. Uh, 
before the you know the last six games. But uh, the Bears have had their moments, and you know certainly have done a good job protecting the Feral the last two years. And hopefully uh, tomorrow night is an extension of that, and we can be talking about this uh, sometime. The Ring by Spring podcast can be talking about a a sixteen and five record and a. Uh, five and three big 12 record heading into that texas game next next monday that would be terrific so thank you kendall for your thoughts and you've been listening to a sikkim 365 ring by spring podcast with ashley hodge and kendall cal sikkim bears